Hey, and Happy New Year. My name is Matt. I want to welcome you at all of our campuses and all of our locations from Hickson to Calhoun and Ringgold, Dalton, Chatsworth in between. Thank you uh, so much for uh, sharing uh, your week, your weekend with us here at Rockbridge Community Church for our the gathered portion of us being the church. We're in part two of a series called Where We See God, and we're going to be looking out at, at 2019 uh, and just kind of talking about maybe where we see God moving and how we want to join God in what he's doing in our midst. But before we get to that, we've got a new series coming up next week. It's a great time to be in church, great time to invite someone to church with you. But this is called Seasons, where we're going to expect, adapt, and grow. And it's just an amazing way to understand how God is working in your life when you understand the concept of seasons. Because most of us, you know, we're like, hey, where's God? And why is God not doing something? Or what is God doing? And when we understand the concept of seasons, you'll be poised to see where God's working in you and wants to work through you. And then you can join him with that. Hey, before we move forward, I want to just share with you some prayer requests that came in through our website and or through those blue next, blue and white next step cards that are in a seat somewhere near you. You're welcome to use those at any point during their service to communicate anything with us. But what I'd like to do is stand in the gap here together as one church in multiple locations, invite you to join with me in prayer for some of these prayer requests that we've received. You can kind of look up here. There might be one that resonates with you. And you would like to privately, as you sit here in our services, pray over one of these particular things. But join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. God, it's only by the name and in, by the blood of Jesus that we can enter your presence right now and trust that you hear us, God. You hear us, God, not because uh, prayer is a performance. You hear us, God, because you're a good father. So right now, God, in the name of Jesus, we just lift up these requests, God, 41 people who've been invited to come to church and hear about King Jesus. We pray for receptivity and openness, God, to you and to your glory. God, we pray for those who, who, who have marriages that are struggling, those who need healing and deliverance, God. We just lift all these requests before you. And God, I ask and invite your grace and mercy to flow to these places of need so that the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus can be displayed. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen and amen. So the question that we want to wrestle with today is this. It will be a good year if. What will make 2019 a, a good year? It will be a good year if what happens or what doesn't happen, if this gets resolved, if this gets fixed, what will make 2019 a good year? And as I was reading through some scriptures, this verse comes to mind, and I want it to frame up the context of our conversation, that it would be a good year if, like King David, we could say this. For David, after he had served the purposes of God in his own generation, fell asleep or died and was laid among his fathers. What if 365 days or 52 weeks from now, we could say this about the people of Rockbridge, the people here to, gathered here today, that after we had served the purposes of God in 2019, hopefully we're not all going to fall asleep, but what if, we what if we saw God work through us in 2019? What if our, our dominant desire, our dominant prayer request what was, was, hey, God, what, whatever, it, whatever it takes, fulfill your purposes in me and fulfill your purposes through me, what, whatever those are. I, I love that kind of prayer request because it, it, it moves us away from the status quo, and it really highlights perhaps what should be our greatest fear. Maybe our greatest fear ought not to be a bad thing happening to us in February or a, a, a business deal not getting closed at the end of quarter 
quarter one, maybe the greatest thing we ought to fear is not fulfilling our purpose. And, and this quote from Thomas Merton stands out, ask me not where I live or what I like to eat. Ask me what I'm living for and what I think is keeping me from living fully for that. What is keeping us from living fully for God's purposes? And as I look out on 2019 and what I'd like to do in our time together, and I'm going to share the front half or so of the message, and our campus pastors are going to come up and complete the back half of the message, I just want to share where I think we need to step into the purposes of God. And, and, and where I think, you know, that God is moving us and inviting us to join Him and to be especially and particularly attentive to Him. So that if our goal is faithfulness to God's purpose, we would be found faithful 365 days from now. So this message is a little different in that we're going to, one, preach it with, with two or three different communicators, counting our campus pastors. And, and, and two, I'm just going to sort of sit down and just kind of have a conversation with, with us as a church, as a people of God, and just share some things uh, that almost in, in the form of like a letter to you, almost in a, in a conversation. And then we're going to pause periodically together and just stop and pray and pray for God's purposes to be fulfilled in us and for God's purposes to be fulfilled through us. So if you call Rockbridge your church home, and whether you're a formal member here or this is just where you come when you come to church, I just want to ask you to kind of lean into this and, and, and listen to where we are as the people of God. This is not a me sermon. This is not a what's in it for me sermon. This is a we sermon. This is an us sermon. This is the people of God gathered together locally under the name of Rockbridge Community Church as one church in, in multiple locations. This is us saying, God, like David, would you find us faithful? in our time, in this year. This is God, whatever would keep us from living for your purpose, remove that obstacle and find us faithful. This is us subordinating our desire to sit in the driver's seat of our lives and saying, God, you have the steering wheel for this year. We are your people. Would you shape us? Would you change us? And would you use us? for your glory. So with that, we'll, we'll jump in. And let me tell you something. The, the most important thing about any of us here today, I, I, I think, is what comes to mind when you think about God. When, when I know what a person thinks about God or what I'm thinking about God in any given moment or any given circumstance, it's a predictor of so many things. What I think about God in any given moment affects my stress level, affects my anxiety. It, it shapes and determines my identity, and it shapes and determines the path I choose, where my hope comes from, where my identity falls. And so every day, you know, we wake up with this fear of being bored, and also this desire to be significant. And yet I find it ironic that I think so many people in our culture are bored with God, and, yet, and then we find significance apart from Him, and yet this should not be. How can we be bored with a pre-existent, eternal, all-sufficient, all-satisfying, holy God? How can we find our significance and our purpose apart from our Creator? So I think we have to call ourselves back in 2019 as we start this year to be found faithful and to be found on purpose to have a right view of God and a right understanding of God. 
And that is why for 2019 to be a, a, a great year, I am praying that the fear of the Lord would increase among us. Now hear me when I say that. I know most of us didn't come here today thinking that our greatest need for 2019 was to become afraid or to be afraid of God. Most of us in actuality are running from some type of fear, but surely, as the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what do we mean when we say the fear of the Lord and the fear of the Lord needs to increase? The fear of the Lord is simply being afraid of straying from God. It's a, it's a fear that makes us run to him in dependence rather than run away from him. We run to him as our life. We run to him as our refuge. It's the fear of knowing that we deserve wrath, that we deserve judgment, that we deserve hell. But in Christ, we gain life, adoption, grace, and purpose. The fear of the Lord recognizes that God is holy, that God is majestic, transcendent, and full of endless love. And the fear of the Lord causes us to stagger with a sense of his greatness and yet be stunned by his grace and mercy and glory. You know, in our mission statement at Rockbridge, we say this, to glorify God by connecting people from all walks of life to life in Christ. Yet the weightiest portion of that mission statement is this, we exist to glorify God. That there's a weight about who God is. There's an awe of who God is. That there's a, a reverence around who God is. And that shapes and informs all of who we are. And I think if we're not careful, we can begin to treat God as a token or a trinket. We can begin to treat God with triviality or relate to him in superficiality. So consider this. When was the last time you came to a worship service expecting an encounter with the living God who reigns over the world? When's the last time when you sang a lyric in a song about God, you had just a sense of awe around who God is and what God has done? Could a non-believer enter any one of our worship services and watch us worshiping and exclaim, as Paul said to the church at Corinth, surely God is among those people, not because they see God physically, but rather they sense him in us because of our serious joy, our holy delight, and our reverent fear as we, his people, have in coming before him in worship. When's the last time we read the Word of God and just trembled? When is the last time you set your mind on God above an adjective such as fire and glory described your experience? If those things are lacking, then the fear of God has diminished in our life. And if the fear of the Lord has been lost or diminished, life becomes simply a collection of the trivial and the superficial and worship to God goes to the created, not the creator. Pleasures become temporary and fleeting. Grace appears cheap and easy. And God becomes merely the man upstairs. And yet the Bible would speak of God and his joy unspeakable and full of glory. So today, would we ask him to give us the holy fear? To let us experience the refiner's fire? and the weight of his glory. Would you pray with me, Rockbridge? Lord, whatever it takes, would you give us undivided hearts to fear your name? 
We confess that all too often we'd rather you be a 911 phone call, a Santa Claus, or a maid to help clean up our messes. But God, you are first and foremost holy in your glory and reigning on your throne. Help us to understand the magnitude of our sinfulness so we can taste the magnificence of your mercy in Christ. Forgive us for worship that is more trivial and superficial than sacrificial, for hearts that remain unaffected by your glory, for treating sin lightly, and for failing to desire you and you alone. God, give us at Rockbridge this year a holy thirst and a holy hunger, and then satisfy us by pouring out your Spirit upon us. Amen. You see, when we're gripped by the fear of the Lord, we begin to realize that apart from Him, we can do nothing, and yet simultaneously, we begin to hunger for what God and God alone can do. And this brings us to the place of prayer and that prayer should have in 2019. See, Rockbridge, I believe God has called us to do the humanly impossible, the humanly impossible. I want you to know something as as your lead pastor. Virtually everything I long for you and everything I long for our church is absolutely impossible without God. Now, most of us don't like to set up our lives that way, but that is the way the kingdom of God has been set up. Everything that I would want for us in 2019 or want for you in 2019 is virtually impossible apart from God. Salvation of a lost person, impossible without God's grace. Obedience or greater obedience, impossible without the empowering Spirit of God. Repentance from sin or a prodigal that might come home to a family, impossible unless God's kindness hits our hearts. Revival in our cities, in our communities, awakening in our church, impossible unless God tears open the heavens. Healing, reconciliation, deliverance, all impossible apart from the power of God. And the bridge between the impossible and the power is prayer. God has ordained that this grace of power and the experience of victory flow to us through prayer. So prayer must be our primary ministry and mission strategy. Prayer must be our primary strategy for seeing marriages restored people released from strongholds and addictions, lost people becoming found people, becoming sent people, people experience deliverance and victory. Prayer must be first, must be last, and must be always. Please hear me, Rockbridge. We need him and his power. We need less of what we can do and more of what he can do through prayer. I share this with you. I am very tired of hearing about broken marriages. I am tired of hearing Christians ruin their witness with their sin and leave their family or bring disrepute to the name of Jesus because of how they behave on social media or on Friday nights. I am tired of hearing about backsliding. I'm tired of nominal, mediocre, average Christianity. 
because I don't think such a thing exists when the fear of the Lord is strong. I tire of hearing about people in bondage and strongholds of the enemy, and I long to see more spiritual fruit of victory and changed lives. And all of that, all of that hinges upon whether or not we would become a people of prayer. Years ago, we were in the creek baptizing people, and we baptized a whole bunch of people on that day. And as I was coming up out of the water, I was gripped with a discontentment. A discontentment that, frankly, I don't think I should have had in the moment, but I do believe it was from the Spirit of God. And one word came to my mind. More. It's a biblical word. God longs to do more. God will do more than we can ask or imagine or expect. But God only does His more when His people pray. And I would call us all in this hour, in this moment, to repent from unbelief around prayer. I would call us all in this hour, in this moment, to repent of prayerlessness, of busyness, of distractedness. And I would invite us to go to an empty tomb and understand that there is available resurrection power and that the power of prayer accesses the power of the resurrection. And when I say that, then I can look out at you and say with all honesty and complete integrity, I believe the best is yet to come. And I'm asking you, church, to believe with me And I'm asking you, church, to pray with me. We have called all the staff and elders of this church for a solid month of prayer and fasting together for the power of God to be here in a way that we have not experienced before. I would invite you to join with me in that. I want you to hear me say this. If you call this your church family and your church home, unequivocally, the first Wednesday of every month, except when the calendar causes a shift, is the most important prayer service of the month. It is the most important worship service of the month. It is the most important hour of the month because it is the time when we as one people come together and pray corporately and ask for God's power to move amongst us. I ask you in the name of this church and my authority biblically as your spiritual leader, would you begin to prioritize attendance at our first Wednesday prayer service as your schedule could be modified or your schedule would allow? I would also throw this out. For years I've debated this and we've struggled with this, but we want to form a prayer team. And if you feel just moved, and I'm going to need commitment, we're going to need time and sweat equity. So don't let this be an emotional decision. But we, I just want you to email me and say, hey, I want to begin to commit to praying with you. And we're going to pray specifically for the power of the Holy Spirit upon the people of God, for the purposes of God here at this church. That's it. That's it. And I'll, I'll organize it and I'll, get, I'll be in touch with you personally and directly. You pray about it, you can just email me directly right there at matt at rockbridge.cc. But whatever it takes, would we be committed to fulfilling the purposes of God by being a people who pray? Let us pray.
Lord, whatever it takes, would you teach us to pray? Forgive us for the unbelief and lack of discipline that results in prayerlessness. Move us to pray. Lead us to stand in the gap for the oppressed, for those in bondage, for our families, for our lost friends and our neighbors, our cities, our nation, and our world. Come in power, Lord God, and accomplish your purpose through us. Amen. Another amazing fact about Jesus and his gospel is that the gospel creates not just forgiveness of sin for the individual, the gospel creates a new community. It actually creates a new race of people in Christ. So Jesus' death, hear me, does more than just save individuals, it creates a family. That is why to be faithful in 2019 requires 2019 to be the year of 59. By the year of 59, I mean that there are 59 one another commands in the New Testament. Commands such as bear one another's burdens, show compassion and kindness to one another, pray for one another, forbear with one another, forgive one another, serve one another. So when you read the Bible and you say, hey, what, was the, what were the first churches like? You could say this, they were one anothering one another. That the experience of the early church was people one anothered one another. Phrases like, I went to church today, or what time is church, would have, been, would have been foreign concepts in the first century because the church was a people, not a place. The church was a community and a family, not a program or a building. Now, this is the area where I need to come before you and, and, in, and in confession and repentance. Because quite frankly, I have not led us very well in this area and perhaps Rockbridge has acted more like a place than a people, more like a program than a bunch of one another's in Christ. I want you to hear me without going into details. We have hurt people by lack of responsiveness, lack of care, lack of follow-up. We have missed people. We have overlooked people. We have been slow to follow up. We need way more small groups so people can experience this than we presently have. We need more mid-sized gatherings. We need more leaders, servant leaders to serve more people. God did something 16 years ago. He took 25 people and he made us into a large church. I cannot apologize for that. I praise God for it. However, as a big church, we have to grow smaller as we have grown larger. And this happens when we mobilize leaders, like we see in Exodus 18 or Acts chapter 6. Servant leaders who serve people, servant leaders who put others ab above themselves, servant leaders who are willing to meet practical needs and create relational connections for people to experience biblical community. I have failed to lead us adequately in that area. And we are aggressively making changes and have been throughout the holidays to improve on that. Our church started with a big vision that 50,000 people lived in Whitfield County that did not regularly attend church. More recently, we've said we, I, we would like to see if God would use us to connect 10,000 people in the Tennessee Valley and Northwest Georgia life in Christ. But that vision always starts with one. It starts with one God who calls us to do for one another what he did for us. He served us. He loved us. He blessed us. He prayed for us. He gave himself for us. 
Our elders presently are looking at adding key servant leadership positions throughout our church to address this deficiency, and I would ask for your prayers. I'd invite us all as church members and Christ followers to look at Galatians 6.10, where Paul says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Where do you have an opportunity? Is it in the lobby? Is it where you sit? Is it in your home? Is it in your office? What good can you do? And would you be committed to asking the Lord to show you, even if it's inconvenient, how you can do good to all people, one anothering one another. Let's admit, though, that one anothering is hard at times and inconvenient on occasion. But when we have been so loved by Christ, how can we not let that love flow to others, whatever it takes? Let's pray together. Lord, whatever it takes, would you find us faithful in obeying the 59 one another commands we see in your word? God, we do this not because people deserve it or because it is easy. We do it because you loved us selflessly and sacrificially, and you put a new heart in us to love as you have loved us. Help us, Lord, whatever it takes to love one another. Amen. So now what happens, church, when a group of one another's is captivated by a strong, vibrant fear of the Lord? When they see prayer as their greatest work, highest responsibility, and top priority, and when they are so committed to loving one another just as Christ loved them on the cross, what happens? Well, let's be clear. The church is not a time or a place. We are not a monument. We're a group of one another's who heard a message about a sinless man who was killed and buried and resurrected, a sinless man and his message of love and justice, of grace and truth. A message that, when heard in faith, awakens us from a dead, selfish, sinful state of hopelessness and despair and turns us toward a crucified king, a sacrificial lamb, and a bloody cross, showing us that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. A message that, when believed in faith, turns us from self, sin, and Satan to surrender our very lives to this God-King this God who died on the criminal's cross. We become one with him. We find our identity with him and our purpose and our power and our path are found in following him. And then we become part of his story and his movement to increase his glory by increasing the number, the diversity, and the faithfulness of those who worship and fear him. So would you imagine for a moment being part of a movement bigger than you bigger than Rockbridge, bigger than 2019. Would you imagine for a moment being so in love with God that reading the Bible is like going on a date with your soulmate of 50 plus years? That attending weekly worship services is not a box to check or a duty to perform, but an occasion to go hard after a holy God in awe and reverent fear and passionate praise. That prayer is like a partnership to accomplish the supernatural and the impossible. Would you imagine for a moment that this love for God overflows and, how you, how, and affects how you treat and relate to and love others in your family, in your neighborhood, next door? 
Would you imagine for a moment that church is really a bunch of one another's loving one another as God has loved them? That small groups are about imperfect people seeking to love each other with the perfect love of God. Would you imagine that we realize we don't come to church, but rather we are the church, and the church is to be known by how it loves, how it loves the stranger, how it loves the guest, how it loves the poor, the orphan, the immigrant, the vulnerable, the lost, the undeserving, the outcast. Would you imagine for a moment that in love we have been sent by the Father and the Son with the Spirit to share the message of Jesus Christ? And that we wake up every day not asking, will I get what I want today? But instead asking, what good in Jesus' name can I bring about today? Whatever it takes and no matter what it costs. That's where we'll see God in 2019. Let us pray together. Lord, whatever it takes, we want to move with you. May our satisfaction be in Christ, but may our satisfaction be dissatisfied that more do not know him, fear him, or worship him. God, make us eager to expand the kingdom and zealous for good deeds done in your name. May our light shine in this world so that people see you in us and through us. And God, may King Jesus be exalted above all things. May he be honored, esteemed, adored, and enjoyed, praised and pursued, and to him be the glory forever and ever. And God, now I would just ask that you work and move in these individual congregations that you have multiplied throughout northwest Georgia and into the Tennessee Valley for Rockbridge Dalton and Calhoun, Rockbridge Chatsworth, Ringgold, and Hickson. God, as we exist as one church with one desire, which is to glorify you. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.